All right. Um, <clears throat> the only announcement, well, there's a couple of announcements. Um, come s- September, uh, there's gonna be, we're going to be doing a whole new study on Wednesday nights, and it's going to be kind of done in the same format as our, as our normal church services. And Dad's going to be taking us through uh, his book, uh, Book of Revelation Made Plain and Clear. Um, and he's going to kind of go through that week by week, and it's going to be on YouTube and all that stuff. So it'll be just like our regular services. It'll be streamed and all that good stuff. So that's going to be in September. So if you want to mark that down, and if you're looking for one of these books, they are available on the, on the, on the counter out there. Um, the other thing is, I just want to, as a reminder, we're doing Children's Church again, and of course, we want to have an emphasis on taking care of our kids. And uh, we do have some older kids that like to go outside in between services and after services and play basketball. So we would ask that you would not park underneath the basketball hoop, okay? Uh, because we've instructed our children to, to smash your car <laughs> with the basketball. That's what I would have done. Jump off of the hood of your car. No, that's not true. <laughs> a couple of you guys are like, <laughs> don't park there, all right? Um, open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Joshua. Joshua chapter 10. And uh, we're going to do our best, the Lord willing, to get through this, this chapter together today. We'll see how far we go. But uh, let's start with a word of prayer, first and foremost, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and uh, we're so thankful, Father, for your holy and mighty word. Uh, Lord, we live in a time and we live in a place, Lord, where so many scoff at your word and scoff at your words and uh, scoff at the very idea of you. Uh, our children are being indoctrinated every single day and told that their faith is foolishness. Uh, Lord, and so we ask and pray that you would help our, ha- our hearts to be grounded and rooted in faith uh, and in the truth of your word, Father, so that we would have a reason, we would have an answer for what we believe in, Father. Our faith is not a blind faith. Our faith is not based on nothing. Our faith, faith is based upon the very sure word that you've given us, Father, through the fulfillment of prophecy, through the coming of your son, Jesus Christ, and his resurrection from the dead, Lord. And we believe that everything that you have claimed that will come to pass in the future absolutely will, Lord. And so we pray that you would help us to establish our own faith, Father, through your word and through our relationship with you. Uh, and we pray, Lord God, that you would then use us uh, in a time and a place, Father, where people desperately need to know Jesus and where maybe more than ever, Father, they're being told that that is ridiculous and useless or even that it's hateful, Lord. Uh, We pray, Father God, that we would be seeing souls brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would make each one of us, Lord, prayer warriors in our own life, Father, that we would be pleading and that we would be standing in the gap, uh, that we would be intercessors, Lord, in our prayer for the people of this world who are lost and who are dying in their own sins, Lord. And we pray that that would look upon our countenance, Father, not as judgment, not as anger, Lord, but all the people would ever see from us is the face of Jesus Christ, a face of love, a face of compassion, Lord, and a face of understanding. We pray, Lord God, that we would stand in bold contrast to what the world has to say about the church and what the world has to say about who Jesus is, Father. We pray that you would accomplish that in each of our hearts individually, Lord, that you would strengthen us and empower us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we could live that life that you have called us to live and to be those lights, to be that salt, Lord, to be the city on a hill that cannot be hidden, Father. We want our faith to so shine before men, Lord. Help us to be who you've called us to be so that when Jesus Christ comes to receive his church, he'll find us doing exactly what he said that he wanted us to do when he left, Lord, the first time. Uh, Have your way in us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, the book of Joshua now, we're kind of 
flying through the book of Joshua, and what, a, what an outstanding book. It's, uh, we, we are in the sweet spot, uh, 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 one of the, of, the, of the sweet spots of the history of the nation of Israel. Um, and and, and you, you can always, you want to find one of the sweet spots uh, in the history of the nation of Israel. It's when they were operating in faith. It's when they were operating in belief. It's when they were leaning not on their own understanding, as the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, now don't tell me that's easy, right? How many of you maybe a little bit, just a little bit this week, leaned on your own understanding? Well, I can promise you that if you do that over the long haul, it's not going to go well, right? It may go well in a worldly sense. It may go well sometimes in an earthly sense, but leaning on our own understanding is never, ever, ever going to bring us to the place where God wants us to be, where he can bring his blessings. I don't want the world's blessings anymore. You know what I'm saying? I used to really, really want the world's blessings. I used to really, really want the good things that the world has to offer. And I remember not too long ago, an elderly saint, well, he probably, I don't know if he'd be happy to be calling him elderly, an older saint, I mean, he's super old, said to me, the older that I get, the less impressed with this world I am. And I'm getting to a place in my life now where I don't give a rip about the blessings that this world has to offer. And I want all of the blessings that the Word of God has to offer. And I find myself struggling with this, right? The way Paul talks about in Romans where there's this, 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 this desperate struggle that's always taking place between your flesh and your spirit. And they're warring against each other and they're at odds with each other. They're at enmity with one another. I mean, it's, it's funny and interesting to me to even see going back through, the, through time and even in pop culture, you know, we have these ideas. Remember Bugs Bunny and, and uh, you know, the, the angel would pop up on this shoulder, you know, and say, ah, you know, you're good to go, doc. And then the, other, then the, the devil would pop up on this shoulder, ah, do the wrong. You know, there's this understanding and there's this idea, even within the framework and the context of the zeitgeist or the, or the national mindset of this world and this culture that we live in, there's something that's known there. Romans chapter one says that there's a nature in the very nature that you live and breathe and move around in God. God's evidence in nature are made plainly visible so that men are without excuse. You know, I remember when I went and saw that, that the, the Man of Steel, that, that first Superman movie with the new Superman guy, right? And he's sitting in this church and he's talking to this priest uh, about what he's supposed to do because the bad aliens from Krypton have come back and they're going to destroy the world unless, unless Kal-El reveals himself. And he's sitting there in the back pew talking to this priest and right behind him is a picture of Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was standing in the gap between humanity and destruction. Why in the world? Why is that even there? These people don't love Jesus. These people don't love God in Hollywood. I don't know if you've noticed. They're not crazy about Christianity. And yet we find these things popping up here and there and all over the place. There's something in the very consciousness of mankind that tells us there's a God out there. And if there's a God out there, we're responsible to him. And we're going to answer to him someday. It's there. It's written there. And men desperately fight against that. It goes back to that line when Jesus is with Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate is standing in front of the people. And what about your king? What about your king? Away with this man. Away with this man. We will not have this man to rule over us. And make no mistake, Christian, your flesh is that same thing today that it was before you got saved. 
Your flesh still cries out, away with this man. We will not have him to rule over us. And you feel that in your heart. And you feel that in your life. And you feel that in the decisions that you're faced with day by day. As your flesh and the world cries out to you on this side. And the Spirit of God cries out to you on this side. We have a choice to make. Every single day we have a choice to make. And God wants us to choose life. God wants us to choose life. And all of the periods in, in, in Israeli history where, it was, where life was vibrant and they were, they were abounding and they were strong and they were powerful, it's when they were not leaning on their own understanding. But it's when they were doing all of the things, all of the things. And God was careful to tell Moses and Moses was careful to tell the people in, in, uh, in Exodus and in Leviticus and in Numbers and then to repeat it to the next generation in Deuteronomy that you are to do all of these things that the Lord your God has called you to do. It ain't a la carte, people. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's kind of a Christianity out there today. There's kind of a belief in our church, and I don't mean this church locally, I mean amongst the universal body of Christ, that we can have it as we want it. That we can have it a la carte. Well, I like this part of Christianity, and I like this commandment, and that's okay, I can, but this one I don't like, and this one I don't want to do, so therefore I can just ignore that, and I can still have all of the blessings of God. And the Bible is very specific. Don't you dare make the mistake of confusing the patience and the grace and mercy of Almighty God for Him being lack concerning the promise, both of a reward for those who follow after Him and honor Him and judgment to those who despise Him and who will not obey His commandments. And we are the ambassadors of that truth to the world that we live in. And so then the question remains, so what ought my life to look like? And we are in a beautiful portion uh, in the history of the nation of Israel here as they're coming into the promised land. They've crossed over the Jordan River. This new generation has crossed over the Jordan Ritter, River, Ritter, River, have been circumcised, have, have celebrated Passover together. The manna has stopped. They're now enjoying the fruit of the promised land that God had given to them. They've gone now through Jericho, seen the walls fall down. They've had that contest of faith in Ai where them not, not asking God whether or not they should go first simply went in presuming that they would have a victory not knowing that there was sin in the camp because one of the people had taken treasures from Jericho that God had commanded them not to take and so they suffer a defeat there and Joshua is perplexed and he's thrown off course you ever find yourself in that place where in your life you find yourself how did I get here where am I even what's going on it's like the world's turned upside down and Joshua is having this question of faith in his life and he's crying out to God, why, why, why? And God comes to Joshua and he looks down and he goes, what are you doing on your face? Get up! Joshua, get up! Buddy, there's sin in the camp. There's sin in your camp and I can't bless you until you deal with that. I still have the conquest of Canaan in front of you. But until you deal with this thing in your life, I can't go with you. And do you understand that the giants are still as big and the people are still as tough and the land is still as hard and you're never going to have the victory that I've promised you unless I'm with you and I can't be with you unless I'm blessing you because of your obedience. And if you're not being obedient, Joshua, I can't be with you. Deal with this thing. 
Just deal with it. And the children of Israel deal with it. And now from there, uh, they've, they've come along. There's been, there's been another battle. Dad, Dad went through chapter 9. And now we find ourselves in chapter 10. And this is where we pick up. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, 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 king of Jerusalem, not for long, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. We'll talk a little bit about Gibeon um, here in a minute. That they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city like one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai, all, uh, and, excuse me, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Now, let's back up a little bit. In chapter 9, this city of Gibeon, they see what's happening too. Just like this Adonai Zedek king of Jerusalem, the Gibeonites see what the children of Israel are accomplishing, how they're rolling through the land, and nobody can stand before them, and they understand it's by the power of God. And so rather than put a plan together in their flesh to come out against the people of God, now it's interesting because it says this is a great city and all of its men were mighty. And here's the great thing about a a real tough guy, not a fake tough guy, a real tough guy. A real tough guy is real. A real tough guy doesn't have to pretend anything. And these were mighty men who lived in Gibeah. And they understood this is not about physical might. This is not about strength of arms. This is not about a superior battle plan. We cannot stand against this people because their God is the King of hosts. He's the Lord of hosts. And He's brought them all the way from Egypt. They've kept track, the Canaanites. Every time they deal with one of these people and they have a conversation with them, the Canaanites are aware of their entire history. It's like, how do you know this stuff, dude? There's no newspaper, no radio, no television, no Facebook, no smartphones. Thousands of years ago, and word spread that far that all the Canaanites knew the whole story. And these Gibeonites said, look, we're dead men. There is literally nothing we can do to fight against Jehovah God. And so it's this interesting story where they, they, they planned up a ruse God had clearly given Joshua uh, instruction as you go through the land of Canaan. This is my divine judgment and wrath being poured out on this land. You are to spare no one. You are to spare nothing. And we say, that seems harsh. It's God. And he reserves the right to judge. And if you have a problem with that, then you have to talk to God about that, right? And I'm not saying that in a mocking way to you because you you do have a problem with that. Because you know why? Your flesh has a problem with that. There's something in me, I want to always get away with stuff. And there's something in me that always wants to justify flesh and always wants to justify people and humanity somehow. There's no justification. Humanity is dead and lost in sin. It's over. The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gained the entire world and yet forfeits his very soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? I'm not concerned about the security and the safety and and the comfort of people. I'm concerned about their eternal destination. That's what matters to me. Every innocent that was caught up in this war and killed, God had mercy on. 
where if they'd have grown up in that Canaanite home, they would have themselves become a worshiper of demons and involved in the things that the Canaanites did that we can't talk about in mixed company. And so, excuse me, and so God now is calling the children of Israel, they're coming through the uh, the land of Canaan, and these Gibeonites are seeing... We can't do anything against these people because of who their God is. So they come and they dress up as though they come from a far distance. They've got basketfuls of moldy bread. Their sandals are worn out. They're haggard. And they act as though they've come from a long way. And they deceive Joshua. Now, it's interesting because in chapter 9 it says, they did not inquire of the Lord, right? They did not inquire of the Lord. So the Gibeonites got one over on them. The Gibeonites got away with this thing because Joshua and the commanders and the leaders of the people didn't inquire of the Lord. And so the ruse worked and Joshua made a covenant with these people. Then when he found out later that they had deceived them, they said, look, you're, you, okay, fine, all right, okay, you got us, but let me tell you something, you're going to be our servants forever. You're going to serve, you're going to bring the wood, you're going to bring, and you know what the Gibeonites said? It's all good, man. It's all good, man. It's all good. You ever hear the phrase, I would rather be a a, a doorman in heaven than a king in hell? Right? I'm not sure if, is that the way it goes or is it like the opposite way? Like, I think the world's got an opposite one like that. That's that's what I say. That's what I say. Listen, when I get to heaven and I'm in glory and I'm with Jesus Christ for all eternity, I really don't care, man. I don't care what the job is. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? You don't care what the job is. Your favorite football team says, hey, they want you to come, and they want you to come to the stadium, and they want you to like, you know, walk around and pe- pick up the, the, the towels and the stuff like that on the sideline all around the stadium. Oh, by the way, that's during the game, and you've got free access, and you can come. What are you going to say? I'm not doing it. That's beneath me. Some people might. Not me. Right? Be front and center with my Giants jersey on, like some old school jersey. No one even knows who that player is. You know? Who's Phil Sims? Ew, you don't know, Junior. And I'll pick up sweatbands and stuff like that. I get to stand on the sideline and watch the game and be there and have this access. That's how I feel. How much greater. Now, these Gibeonites humble themselves. And let me explain something to you. This, along with your faith, is essential. Humility. That's what our culture is known for, isn't it? Humility? Ha! Everyone thinks they're famous. Everyone wants to be a celebrity. Everybody wants their two seconds of fame. How many likes did I get? You know what I mean? No one can come to God, Jesus Christ said, unless they come like a little child, unless they humble themselves, and they come to God and they say, here it is, man good, bad, or indifferent, right or wrong, here it is. This is who I am, and I'm giving myself to you. That's what God's looking for. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He will never receive your pride. Scripture says that our pride and our arrogance is like witchcraft. I mean, it is the same thing in God's mind if you got the cauldron out and got an eye of a newt and a toad of a tail of a toad and a this of a that and <laughs> with a black hat on. And incantations and stuff like that. It's the exact same thing, just being prideful. It's just like this. All right? You just made a spell or something, you know. God says that in his word, you see. 
We got it all wrong. Our economy is all screwed up and messed up because we see everything through human eyes and by human standards and not by God's standards. God says, I'm not looking for a perfect person. I'm not looking for you to have it all right. I'm not looking for someone who always does the right thing or who dresses the right way. I'm looking for someone who's humble. I'm looking for someone who's willing to receive and accept the truth and who's willing to put me first in their life and obey my commandments. I'm not looking for rock stars. I'm not looking for TikTok famous people. I'm looking for hearts and minds and bodies who are willing to be given to me. And the Gibeonites, though they were mighty, got it. And so they got access. Much later on, before the temple was built, before Solomon's temple was built, the very tabernacle of God in the Ark of the Covenant, guess where it resided? Gibeah. It was in Gibeah. And those Gibeonites were serving the tabernacle day by day. And you want to know how they were chopping wood? They were like, whistle while you work. We could be dead. We could be dead. Why do we do the things that we do? I know where I could be. I know I could be in jail today. I know that I could be dead today. Or I know I could be in some awful circumstance and have been through the ringer today. And instead, because I've been given to the Lord Jesus Christ, He's made something beautiful of my life. So then when the tough time comes, or when the hard task comes, or when I'm at work wrenching the pipe and all that stuff, I don't have to be like, you know, angry. Or when someone cuts me off in trash, I don't have to be angry. I'm not saying I don't get angry. I'm saying I don't have to. Oh, grace, grace, grace. <laughs> oh, thank God for His grace and His mercy. You understand? You're conquerors, man. You're conquerors. And even the Gibeonites, who were Canaanites and set up for judgment because of their humility, even though they did it through deception, they found their way into God's house, man. That's the God we serve. Now, there's some interesting similarities. between. Well, let's read on. Um, therefore, Ad, this is verse 3. Therefore, Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, uh, Japhiah, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. If you align yourself with Jesus Christ, now hear this, people. <laughs> if you align yourself with Jesus Christ, do not expect the enemy to stand idle to stand idly by while you give your life to Jesus Christ so that he can do something mighty through you. Do not expect the enemy to stand by idle because he won't. Verse 5, Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered together and went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal. Now listen, the Gibeonites now don't say, hey, we're mighty men, we're mighty men, let's deal with this. This isn't, this isn't Israelites, this is the world coming up against us now. They still are going to look to Joshua. They still are understanding we're not where we're supposed to be. We're still Canaanites. We need this God to fight for us. 
You see where they're at? We need this God to fight for us. We're not going to, even though we're mighty men, we're not going to try to make this war because this whole war and this whole thing that's going on around us, and now I'm talking to you in 2021 in the United States of America, this whole thing and this whole thing that's going on around us is not about this. And it's not even about this. It's about that. There is a war going on. There is a war And what is at stake are the souls of every man, woman, and child on the planet. And it is dire. And Satan is fighting hard. He's fighting hard. And his servants are loyal. His servants are faithful. His servants believe. And so do we need to. Okay. So, they call out to Joshua... Uh, in verse 6, they sent to Joshua at the, camp in, uh, at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. <laughs> you see what he, they just called themselves? Your servants. Come up to us quickly, save us, and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. Now, uh, there's some interesting similarities between this chapter and some of the things from the book of Revelation that I want to just go over quickly. It's, it's not necessarily a perfect match, a perfect overlay, but there are some ideas, there are some similarities. Because remember, this is God... Okay, coming into this land to bring judgment. Okay, when we get into the book of Revelation and we talk about the tribulation, the seven year tribulationary period, and at the end of that, Jesus Christ, whose name, by the way, wasn't Jesus, right? His name was Joshua, Jehoshua, right? Matthew's name wasn't Matthew. You understand these things, right? Okay, these are all uh, uh, English names that these people were given. Okay, it's, 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 not, it's not Luke, right? It's not that their names are all changed, okay? And I can't remember exactly what they were now. But anyway, Joshua, our Joshua, in the same way, is going to come back to planet Earth with the armies of heaven with him, and he's going to make war against Satan, against the Antichrist, and against all the powers and darkness of this world, and he's going to be victorious against it. And now here in the book of Joshua, we have Joshua, not Moses, but Joshua being sent into the land of Canaan to bring this judgment uh, in, the, uh, in the beginning of the book of Joshua, remember, Joshua sent out two spies. Remember, they went into uh, Jericho, and Rahab the harlot took them into her house, and she believed, remember, and she said, remember me and, and, and spare me from this, and they told her to put the scarlet cord out the window, and God spared her life. Uh, in the book of Revelation, we have the two witnesses uh, that stand in the holy city of Jerusalem and proclaim the truth of God's word. And the Antichrist continually sends waves and waves of people and armies after them to try to destroy them uh, to no avail until God's time with them is fulfilled. Let's see. Um, and here, here's, this is interesting. Adonai Zedek, this king that's mentioned in chapter 10, verse 1, it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, and he's the king of Jerusalem. Do you know what Adonai Zedek means? It means the Lord of righteousness. Now, isn't that interesting that this pagan king and this God-hater, his name is the Lord of righteousness. Jerusalem, of course, that city means foundation of peace. 
Now, if you remember back in Genesis, uh, Abraham, when he comes from the defeat of the armies with the five kings and he rescues his nephew Lot, the Bible says that Melchizedek, king of Salem, now, Salem was the name of Jerusalem at that time in Abraham's day, long before this. Now it's named Jerusalem. This is the first time in the scriptures that the city of Jerusalem is named Jerusalem. Before, it was Salem. But there was a king in Salem, which means city of peace, and his name was Melchizedek, which means king of, uh, which means king of righteousness. And there's this whole interaction that he has with Abraham. This man was quite probably a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ, or at least a picture of Jesus Christ, a holy and righteous person, okay? Now, fast forward into the land of Canaan, and here we have the Lord of Righteousness, the King of Jerusalem, and yet he fights against the armies of God. And yet he hates God and he hates God's people. Does that sound familiar from the book of Revelation? That's exactly what the Antichrist is. Uh, and as we, as we go on, we're going to see everything from kings hiding in caves, which we find in the book of Revelation, to giant hailstones uh, falling upon the people of Canaan in judgment. So there's, there's similarities. It's not a direct overlap, but there's similarities, and there's things that we can see that go between the book of Joshua and the book of Revelation as God's judgment is poured out. Now, these other kings, this is interesting, to me anyways it was, uh, Hoham, the king of Hebron, Hoham means to crush or destroy, and Hebron means fellowship or communion, but also to cast a spell, right? So there's an idea of here of fellowship with the crushing or fellowship with darkness. Uh, Pyram, his name means a wild ass, and that may not sound good to you, okay? <laughs> it's just it's like, that's a word you call people when they're stupid, right? Or not, they're dumb or hard-headed, right? I may or may not have been called that a couple, two, three thousand times. But it means a wild ass or to run wild. The thing about these wild asses uh, in this day, they were, they were, they were, they were not considered a, a, a disgusting creature or, or a vile creature. The problem with the wild asses is they were unbreakable. <laughs> they, were, they couldn't be used for anything. They were strong. They were survivors, but they couldn't be useful for anything because they were unbreakable. Interestingly enough, this, uh, the name Jarmuth, which was his city, means to be exalted or lifted up. Uh, then we have Japhia uh, of Lachish. Japhia means to shine or to show oneself, a show-off, so to speak. And Lachish means to be impregnable. Uh, and then there's Debir of Eglon. Debir means an oracle uh, to declare or to speak forth. And Eglon means either a fatted calf or to jump in circles or to run in circles. And so you have the idea of an oracle and of running in circles. Um, so in reality, uh, there were just these kings in their cities, but I think that the Lord was speaking to us down through the ages so we could get a picture of what is coming, a final conquest over the falseness of mankind who in their self-righteousness have cast away the Lord of hosts and replaced the fear of him with religion made in their own image, containing perhaps a peppering of biblical truth but riddled with unbiblical stances, fellowship with darkness, because that's what we have in these kings and their names, pride, arrogance, and false knowledge. 
Of course, this is the very uh, thing that Paul speaks of in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5. through Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of money, boastful, proud, disobedient to their parents, angry, all these, all these things. But the, the last verse is the one that always has, has freaked me out the most. Having a form of godliness and yet denying the power therein. And what I think we see here in Joshua with these kings, you have in Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem, you have an unbiblical view of faith and spirituality that's actually anti-Christian or anti-God. You have this idea of fellowship with darkness. You have the city that is representative of pride. You have the one that is representative of arrogance, which is the acting out on that pride. And then you have the idea of this false knowledge, this Debir of Eglon. This is an oracle, yet he's moving in circles. This false knowledge that we find everywhere. Where do you go for truth now, Christian? Where do you go for truth? Where, where do you go? What source do you have that you know this is true? Maybe you have one or two. I mean, where do you go these days to find truth? How do you know when they're, when they're not lying to you? You know what I mean? All of the, whatever you, however you feel about the vaccination aside, because I don't want to get into it, because it, whatever, it, to me it's a whatever, whatever, whatever. We're all dead men, so you know what I mean? Let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm ready for heaven. You're like, what? <laughs> no, no, no. Just me, okay? Um, wherever, you, wherever you stand with that, wherever, wherever you're at with that, you know the reason that most, a lot of people don't want to take the vaccination? Because they don't trust these people. Do you trust your government? Who's laughing? How dare you, right? Who, who do you trust, though? Let me tell you something, Christian. People don't trust their pastors. They don't trust their priests. They don't trust, they don't trust the so-called theologians. Or hold, nobody's trustworthy anymore. It used to be when you would be in front of a person who was a man, or they'd call a man of the cloth, you would, you would act in a certain way and speak a certain way, and if you said a foul, oh, I'm sorry, it ain't like that no more. Do you know why? Because there's no respect, because there's no trust. And all of that is because we have absolutely abandoned the truth of God in this country. It's the truth of God that's been abandoned. This is just the natural results. This isn't the judgment of God we're seeing at all. There's no mistaking the judgment of God. This is just the natural consequences of a Christ and God-rejecting world that you and I are living in in this day and age that we're in. They want nothing to do with God. They don't want Him in any aspect, and they will not tolerate anything that you have to say that speaks to the truth. You're a bigot now. You're a Nazi. You're a racist. You're a thisophobe or you're a thatophobe. What do you mean? Because you dare to call something sin. I am all absolutely 100% for justice in this world. Good luck. Good luck. People ought to treat each other with respect and dignity. Good luck. We think we can have that without the truth? We can have that without God? We're never going to find it. The only place they're going to find it, friend, is in you. Is in your heart. Is in your testimony. And hopefully the church gets their act together and starts doing the same thing. Now, the men of Gibeon send for Joshua. Joshua comes running, and God tells Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them from along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makedah. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them 
as far as Azekah, and they died. And there were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed them with a sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said, In the sight of Israel, sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of uh, Ahijalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. And so we have this incredible account where Joshua calls on the Lord to, to literally make the sun stop so that they can continue pursuing their enemies. And the Lord brought that to pass. And I really don't have a lot to say about that. You either believe that or you don't, right? Again, how big is your God? How big is your God? Well, I believe in the God that by his voice cast the stars and all the Milky Ways and galaxies and worlds into existence at the sound of his voice. Uh, I believe that this is as simple for him as, as me knocking this dumb water bottle off my, off my table here. I don't think, believe that there's any, there's not a thought. You know, remember some of the old movies of Jesus and he starts to do a miracle and he'd be like, <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it was like that at all, man. I don't think it was like that at all. I think Jesus was just like, and that's it. He speaks, you know, at the end of Revelation, Jesus Christ comes and he destroys the entires of Antichrist, the Bible says, with a sharp double-edged sword, which as we know is, is compared to the word of God that comes from his mouth. What does he say? What does Jesus say? He speaks and these armies are just gone. He is almighty God, right? To stop the sun for a few hours, it I just doesn't bother me. For some people, it really racks their brains, you know? But again, you got to take what you believe to its logical conclusion. If you believe in God, what's the problem? I don't have any problem with it. Listen, don't lead with that. Christian, when you're out there telling people about Jesus, don't start talking about the rapture and the demons from the river Euphrates and some of these things that people in the world are like, get a straight jacket. This is a maniac I'm talking to, okay? I'm saying don't lead with that. Lead with your love, and lead with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the whole thing, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Let them study the word for themselves. Let them see the fulfilled prophecies. And let them, let them do the research to find out, I can, in fact, trust this book. And in that, hopefully, their faith will be bolstered. And they'll be able to begin to believe some of these other things. That's not my job. And that's not your job either. But this is what the word of God has to say. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal, but these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Machedah. And it was told Joshua, saying, the five kings have been found hidden in the cave of Machedah. Now, for our purposes, I want you to remember these, these kings, the names of these kings and their cities and the representations there, the fellowship with darkness, the pride, the arrogance, the false knowledge. And there's this great and mighty victory that's taking place here as God is bringing the children of Israel uh, into the land of Canaan and they're wiping out these enemies of God and yet the fellowship with darkness, the pride, the arrogance, and the false knowledge, they just go run and hide in a cave. They go run and they hide in a cave. Just when you think you got it licked, right, Christian? Just when you think you got it licked, here comes your flesh back out of the cave. So Joshua said, roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. 
and do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Now, I like that too, because here's what else it says to me. Don't major on the minors. What, what Joshua was saying to the children of Israel here is they've gone and they've hidden in this cave. Roll up a, 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 a stone in front of it. Set some guards in front of it. But don't you hang out here waiting. You move forward in the other, any other victories that God has given you in this life. You continue to move forward. Listen, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again, but the wicked man falls by calamity. Every time you fall, just get up. And just keep moving directly forward. I mean, your prayers for forgiveness, they don't always have to be like, oh, oh, God. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's like that. But it doesn't have to be like that. You understand? The battle's already been won. The victory is already yours in Jesus Christ. You just keep moving. Just keep moving forward deeper and deeper and further into the promised land. God's going to deal with those kings in your life in his time. Okay, you understand, right? God's going to deal with those things. Keep moving forward. Uh, then it happened while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very large and great slaughter till they had finished that those who escaped entered fortified cities and all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Makedah in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children, uh, of, the children of Israel. It's interesting, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 19 now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be guilty before God. And it's interesting here um, how that it says, let's see, oh boy, I, I just lost it. In verse 21, no one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. And there's this beautiful silence that's taking place. I think not just uh, with the enemies of the children of Israel, but also with the children of Israel themselves as they're seeing God's power poured out, God's judgment poured out, and they're being used as his vessels, and there's just, there's just no movement of the tongue, uh, any kind of complaining, any kind of griping here. And even amongst the enemies of Israel, their mouths are stopped up. Uh, verse 22 then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men who, of war who went with him, come near and put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward, Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees, and they were hanging on the trees until evening. So it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden, and laid large stones against the cave's mouth which remain until this very day. And on that day, Joshua took Makedah and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them, all the people who were in it. He let none remain. He also did to the king of Makedah as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from Makedah and all Israel with him to Libnah, and they fought against Libnah. And the Lord also delivered it and its king into the hand of Israel. He struck it and all the people who were, who were in it with the edge of the sword. He let none remain in it, but, uh, but did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. 
And Joshua passed from Libna and all Israel with him to Lachish. And then uh, the Lord delivered Lachish into their hand. Then Horam, verse 33, king of Gezer, came up to help Lachish. Joshua struck him and his people until he left none. Uh, then from Lachish he passed to Eglon and all Israel with him. And they encamped against it and fought against it. And they took it on that day and struck it with the edge of the sword. And then these are these same cities that these kings, these five kings were from. And all the people who were with it, he utterly destroyed that day, according to all that he had done in Lachish, to Lachish. So Joshua went up from Eglon and all Israel with him to Hebron, and they fought against it. Here we go again. And he utterly destroyed it and all the people who were in it. Verse 38. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to Debir, and they fought against it. And he took it and its king and all its cities and struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the people who were in it. He left none remaining as he had done to Hebron. So he did to Debir and its king as he had done also to Libna and its king. It's interesting, when he goes back through to these cities, they already have a new king over them. <laughs> these five kings that they were hidden in the cave that he had the men of Israel, the, the leaders of the tribes, put their, their feet on their neck and say, this is the victory that God has given you over these, over these kingdoms and over these people, over false knowledge and arrogance and pride and fellowship with darkness. But when they went back through, doubled back to the cities, they already had a new king in there. It, it, the world doesn't miss any time, believe me. So Joshua conquered all the land, the mountain uh, country and the south and the lowland and the wilderness slopes, and all their kings he left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord uh, God of Israel had commanded and Joshua conquered them from Kadesh Barnea as far as Gaza and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon. All these kings in their land, Joshua took at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. There it is. That's the phrase that pays, man. If you don't get anything out of this whole chapter, okay, the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel and that's why they had victory. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. We have here God's righteous judgment being poured out on the inhabitants of Canaan in devastating fashion so that none are able to say a word about it. Um, <laughs> James 5 says that uh, claiming that you have control over your own life is boasting and is evil. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 that he would only boast in his infirmities. And in chapter 10, he says, let he who glories glory in the Lord. This is exactly what God is doing here in the nation of Israel. This is exactly what's going on. And he literally, through the putting down of these five kings and the recording of it, is showing you and I, I believe, absolutely 100% that God has given us victory over these very same things in our lives. Only, only be strong and courageous. Only follow after the Lord your God to do what he says. Our Joshua says this to you, put your foot on the neck of an unbiblical view of faith. Put your foot on the neck of having fellowship with darkness. Put your foot on the neck of pride and arrogance. And put your foot on the neck of the false knowledge of our age because God has already given you the victory over these things. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in, in Jesus' name and uh, we're thankful, Lord, for the examples from Scripture that you've given us, Lord, and we know and understand that, Father, what we have in Jesus Christ is so far superior even to what they had, Lord. We have the forgiveness of our sins and your eternal grace, Lord, that's poured out new on us each and every day. Uh, Lord, and yet we find ourselves still facing some of these same battles in a spiritual way, Lord, over, um, over, over these same things, the pride, the arrogance, the false knowledge, Lord, um, the friendship with darkness, Lord, the things that we see in our own hearts. Uh, and we ask and pray, Lord God, in the same way that you would help us to see the victory that we have through our Joshua, Lord, our Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, and that we would act out in faith, Lord, and put our feet on the necks of these things 
and begin to just walk in victory, Lord. Um, not worrying about it, not being afraid about it, not being lost or, or held up by guilt or by despair, Lord, but to continue just to move forward uh, knowing that you go before us, Lord. Have your way in us, Lord. Help us to be victors in Christ Jesus and help us to be obedient disciples of Christ Jesus, Father. We thank you for all that you've already accomplished, Lord, for, the, for how far you've already brought us and, and we pray that you'd bring on that good work uh, to completion in each heart, Lord, in each life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, before you go, um, and I like to just do this, and, and we don't have to make a big deal out of it, okay? But I always want to give opportunity, and we don't like to do, I don't like to always do like the, the thing, but if you are not born again, if you have not asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, if you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ, become one today. Become one today. Don't, don't let that pass you by. We're, we're, we're here. Come and see us. Let us pray with you or go to one of these other maniacs and let them pray with you. Hey, I need to know Jesus. I need to know Jesus. It's not, it's not just some ethereal talk that we just had. This is, this is eternal consequence stuff, man. It's very important. God has you here for a reason. Don't let that pass you by, all right? Love you guys. God bless you.